Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, we have a special birthday wish today. Go ahead from Laurel. Go ahead. Happy birthday, Yoshi. Okay, happy birthday, Yoshi. She's in. Okay, you can head out with Sarah. Thank you. Okay, you can do that. Okay, thank you. That's from Laurel. Happy birthday, Yoshi, in California. We miss you. She moved so many years with us, 18, 19 years with us, moved to California. But we miss you, Yoshi, but we hope you have a great birthday. And a wish from little Laurel, okay? You get the special birthday wish. Also, shout out to Dave and Leslie Rodriguez in Connecticut. They've been watching. Talked to Leslie this week. Great to hear from you guys. And I hope you're having a great time there in Connecticut. Uh, so today, the title is Be Careful What You Wish For. Be careful what you wish for. We're going to talk about greedy Gehazi. Be careful what you wish for. Second Kings 5. 20 to 27, and going to start off with being careful what you wish for or what you pursue. Uh, you might get more than you bargained for. I was in California uh, doing an internship, finishing up college, and I worked with uh, delinquents, emotionally disturbed delinquents. And this was a rough bunch, rough, rough bunch. And one of the things I used to do, one of my jobs uh, as a social worker, is I would take them for hikes. And we were in San Diego, the Ramona, the foothills of Ramona, the mountains there uh, in Ramona, the hills. And uh, used to take them for a lot of hikes and had great time. I would just wear them down, just wear them out. That was important with these guys. They just needed to be worn out. And so I'd take them a lot of hikes. When I was younger then. I could do a lot of climbing and hiking and everything. And one time, I was just getting ready to leave to come back home, finishing up. And they... My replacement was there. They had a new guy coming in, a new guy who's going to internship there. And they said, why don't you help train him? Show him where you take the kids on hikes. So I said, okay. And I had this guy, and, and he's a nice guy. And I was going to show him how we did hikes and what we did. And so I was hiking through the hills with him and saying, this is a good place to go. And I had this group of seven, eight guys with me. And they were a rough bunch of teenagers, teenage boys. And they... um we were going along and all of a sudden one of them saw a huge rattlesnake. And I mean huge. It was about five feet long. But the thing about rattlesnakes is not that uh, they, I think it was a diamondback if I remember right. It's not that how long they get, but it's how fat they get. Once they reach a certain length, they don't really grow as long, but they just get fat. It was just a fat thing and it was it was strong looking and it was mean and and i i was like okay boys and i was training the guy okay boys everybody move back move back everybody move around let's get away from this snake and i was training training my guy and they're like let's kill it i'm like no no that would be dangerous i'm training my intern that would be dangerous boys let's keep moving and they no let's kill it let's kill it look at the skin on them they used to like to kill the snakes and get their skins and rattles and and uh Oh, I, I, I do admit, I thought they were pretty cool, but they would kill small ones, you know? And they, they're like, let's get this one. And I go, no, no, it's too dangerous. Come on, guys, look at the size of this thing. Let's get out of here. And they were like, we'll give you the rattle. I always wanted a, I had a little one, but I always wanted a big rattle to take home back to, with me back home to New York. And I was like, oh, we'll give you the rattle. I'm like, well, okay, I guess we could kill just this one. <laughs> And so these guys go after this huge rattlesnake. Uh, they know it. They know how to kill snakes. These guys are good at killing everything. And they they were they're going after the snake. And and, and but but they, they the snake took off and they chased it. And the, we next thing we know we're all chasing it and, and we're into the weeds. And the weeds was right waist waist height. And all of a sudden these guys lost their snake. Now if it stayed out in the open, they could have probably killed it. It would be tough. But they were gonna. These guys were snake killers. But but all of a sudden we lost this five foot rattlesnake right diamondback i think it was <clears throat> lost it in the weeds we're all like all of a sudden everybody, where's the snake nobody knew where the snake was we're in waist high weeds and we have no idea i go boys get up on the rock and there's this rock that was like sloped it's about about seven feet high sloped up and we all go running up on top of that that rock you know we all get up there and and uh we get to the top and i uh 
I what was let's see. I'm, 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 no matter how we got on this rock, we all climb up, and I was on the top, uh, and the boys were down in between, and then the intern was at the bottom. <laughs> he, he, he he was still learning. He was the lowest on the rock, about a couple feet from the the, the ground, and we we're like looking, 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 listening. I go, where'd this thing go? And we were all scared and not sure if we should get down yet. And all of a sudden, at the base of the rock. Rattle, rattle, rattle. The snake was hunting us. He was mad. He was actually hunting us right at the base of the rock. And he let out this huge rattle. And I'll never forget, I jumped. <laughs> I was so scared. I bumped again in front of me, bumped again in front of me, bumped again. It was a domino effect. And it hits this guy, this intern, hits this intern who, he was the closest. He starts sliding down the rock right to where the snake was. I'll never forget. I was like, <gasps> gonna look bad. I'm gonna have to stay here and work with these kids. The intern will be dead, right? Uh, uh, this is gonna look really bad. Some training. And one of the little guys, one of the worst little guys, I'll never forget, he reached out and grabbed the guy by the collar and helps him pump back up. And we all, that's uh, the guy climbs up. We all climb up to the top of the rock now, seven feet up high. And we're all like, and we waited, and we waited. And we waited, and finally we figured it was safe. We jumped on and ran, ran really fast, and I told the guy, that's what you shouldn't do. I just wanted to show you what you shouldn't do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Good thing I was leaving. They probably would have kicked me out after that. But, but be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you pursue, because I'm pursuing a rattle, but we almost got bit by a snake. Be careful. You might get more than you bargained for when we pursue the wrong thing, just like greedy Gehazi got today, which we'll see. There's a lot of greedy Gehazis. You're going to see what I'm talking about in a minute. A lot of greedy Gehazis today. Some are very easy to spot. Some are very tricky, greedy Gehazis. Some are very close to home. That's right. We all have the potential to become a greedy Gehazi, every one of us. Now, quick review. We're finishing up the, stor the story of Naaman the leper, but he's not a leper anymore. Happy ending, right? We saw how he suffered from this terrible disease. He's the walking dead. Remember we talked about that? And there's a picture of all of us spiritually. And then we saw how he was cured by faith. This, going into the Jordan seven times, same as each one of us, we have to put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, under the water, out of the water. And this should have been a very happy ending. He's no longer the leper. He's now just Naaman. And they all should have lived happily ever after. But there was a tragic ending, which is a warning for every one of us. Let's pray. Father, we... Thank you for this amazing story of your healing of Naaman, who used to be the leper. That's what he was, not what he is anymore. Father, we just thank you for this story because it's a picture of how you can heal each of us, save each of us from something far worse than physical leprosy, save us from the effect of sin and death through our faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that every one of us would have would put our faith in Christ, would know for sure we are no longer lepers. But Lord, also this last warning is a warning for each one of us. I'm not following Gehazi. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick up the story. Second Kings 5. And I'm going to pick it up, it's 20 to 27, but I'm going to pick it up in verse 19, where it says, Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, My master was way too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied, them, tied up the two talents of silver in two bags, with two sets of clothing, he gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent the men away, and they left. Then he went in and stood before his master, Elisha. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from the chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes 
olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants and maid servants. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elijah's, Elisha's presence, and he was leprous as white as snow. Woo! Why? Why was it such a big deal that Gehazi took this payment for Naaman's healing? Why did God strike him with such a serious curse for this? Why was it such a big deal that he took this payment for the healing? Back up to verse 15, which we saw last time. In verse 15, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept the thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Ooh. Now remember, Naaman had brought treasures with him to purchase his healing, which was really a picture of his salvation. And he tried to buy that. He tried to earn it. And Elisha had made very clear that you could only be cured of leprosy. You can only be cured of sin by faith. It's a gift. It's a gift of God's grace and we receive it by faith. And that's why he wouldn't take anything from Naaman. Even after he was healed, he still wouldn't take anything. He was driving home the fact that God's gift of grace is free. That's what it means. Unmerited favor. It's a gift. Grace means it's a gift. And Elisha was driving home this lesson and he wanted to make sure that when Naaman returned home, the only thing that was taken from him by Elisha, was his leprosy. The only thing he was going to take away from him was his leprosy. Nothing else. That's the only thing he was going to go home without. But Gehazi crossed a very serious line. He crossed the line of grace. The line of grace. He perverted what the Holy Spirit was teaching us through this story of Naaman the leper. He perverted what the Holy Spirit had worked out and recorded in the Word. The vital lesson that Gentiles, the Gentile lepers, are saved by faith. The Gentile sinners are saved by faith, just like the Jews. Exactly like that. And the Holy Spirit set this up to teach that Gentiles also, just like the Jews are saved by faith, the Gentiles are also saved by faith. We are all lepers in God's sight. We can only be cured and healed by faith. Faith. In fact, Jesus even refers to this story in, in verse uh, Luke chapter four, verse twenty-seven, when he said, the, "And Jesus said, and there were many lepers. I'm sorry, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian." Jesus uses that as an example of the the salvation of the the Gentiles. And how they, they are going to be saved just like the Jews were. Uses this story. And we are, Jesus stresses over and over again, we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. It's all by grace. Putting our faith in God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. We are saved by putting our faith in God's grace. The death of his son, the resurrection of his son, we are saved by that. And we are saved by faith, and not only that, we have stressed through the same passage that we not only saved by faith, but after salvation, we continue to live by faith. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're not only saved by faith, but every day we need to also live by faith. That's how we live out our sanctification, by faith. And Naaman's healing was a type, a prophetic picture of this fact that we are saved and we live by faith. It's a, it's, a, it's a That's a prophetic picture of this. But Gehazi, by what he did, he marred, he distorted that type of salvation, this prophetic picture of salvation. He added something to grace. After salvation, he says, now you got to give me something for it. He added something to it. He added something, he added something to it. He actually was a picture of adding works to grace. 
And Romans 11.6 says this, And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. He said if you, he, if you add one thing after... If, I'm going to read it to you because I want to make sure I get this exactly right. Romans 11.6 says, And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it, were, if it were, grace would no longer be grace. You can't add one thing. One thing. Grace, no longer by works. If it were one little earning, one little piece of money, one little human effort, anything added to it would no longer be grace. It would be works. You can't add anything to it. I'm going to give you a picture of this. Christmas morning. Christmas morning and you, let's say you're a teenager and your parents said, here's your Christmas present and they hand you car keys. And you look outside, there's a brand new car. You're the car you've always dreamed of getting. You was so excited. You go, what would you do? You would go running out the door and get in that car and drive off, right? You'd be so excited. Well, but what if you said before you jumped out that door and jumped into your car, what if you said, mom and dad, thanks so much. Here's a I'm, I can't, it's going to take me a while to pay you for this car, but I'm going to do it. What would that be? First of all, note you wouldn't do it. It's a gift. But if you did, it would no longer be a gift. You're making payments. Even if you just said, Mom and Dad, here's one penny. Here's one penny <laughs> for, to go toward that car. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Here's a penny. Even that would ruin the gift. You would add works to that gift. It would no longer be a gift. Even one penny. But that's exactly what Gehazi did. He marred the gift and the, he, he added works. He added earning to the gift of grace. He ruined the prophetic picture, the type here. And the ironic tragedy for greedy Gehazi, we're going to call him GG from now on, greedy Gehazi, he traded money for the healing of leprosy. But he ended up trading places with, with Naaman, he ended up with the curse of leprosy. He got his money, but he got the curse of leprosy. But greedy Gehazi Gigi was already a leper, a spiritual leper. This event just caused the, his condition to be brought out, to erupt, so people could see it. He was already a spiritual leper. Did you realize that? His leprous character flaws have already shown their ugly presence in his life if we have been paying attention. And I hope you've been catching some of these that led up to this eruption of his leprosy. He was already a spiritual leper. Remember when the Shunammite's son died? Remember the woman's son died? And she comes and throws herself at Elisha's feet? What did Aghazi do? Get out of here! He tried to push her away! Where's the mercy and grace there, right? Uh-oh, dangerous sign. And then Elisha sends the younger Gehazi ahead to run ahead with his staff to, to, to raise the boy back to life, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't resurrect that boy. Elisha had to get there to do it. He couldn't do it because you know why? He couldn't give what he didn't have. He was not regenerated himself. That's why he couldn't raise this boy. And just before this very episode here with Naaman the leper, when Elisha wanted to feed the 100 people with a miraculous feeding with a few loaves there, and, and he, he commands Gehazi to feed them with these couple loaves, and what did Gehazi say? What did he say? How can I do that with this few? I can't do feed all these people with a couple loaves. He had unbelief unbelief. He was exposed. He was exposed. Yes, Gehazi was already a spiritual leper and now he is exposed as such. Verse 20, 2 Kings 5, verse 20. Uh, am I reading the right one? Oh yeah, he's exposed. Let me show you how he's exposed, how his spiritual leprosy is exposed here now. Verse 20, he says, uh, he says, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said to himself, My master was too easy on naming this Aramean. Catch that? Disgust for a Gentile. By not accepting from him what he brought, as surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. As surely as the Lord lives. Where have we heard that before? Verse 16. Verse 16, the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Elisha used that very oath before God. As surely as the Lord lived, he used that very oath, spiritual oath, 
why he would not take a thing. And here we see that, that Gehazi uses that same oath, but he perverts it for a sinful purpose to take something from, from Naaman, which is what Elisha said he wouldn't do. He said, I'm going to take something from him. And he uses this religious oath. He perverts it. Don't be fooled by spiritual talk by religious jargon, by spiritual sounding people. They use these, these jargons. They can pervert God's word and they can pervert the, the, the very words of the, of, of scripture. They can pervert them for their own selfish gain. Don't be, look at the fruit. Look at people's fruit. Don't listen to what they say. Look what they do. Remember what Jesus said? Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. By their fruit. Talking about the wolves in sheep's clothing. Don't be fooled. And then not only did he pervert the oath, but then he ran after, after the sin. He ran after Naaman and that money. He chased down that, that, that silver and those clothes. He, he ran after. It showed his greed. He ran after sin is what he did. And then he lied. He lied. He said, these two guys came, they need something to wear. They don't have any clothes or silver. You know, he lied. Not for himself. He didn't say, I want that stuff. No, 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 no. It's for someone else. Wink, wink. All right? Yeah. He, this is for someone else, which we see so often. People will manipulate and lie for their own gain. I have seen shocking examples shocking lies by people who are trying to get get money for their ministry purposes, for their missionary purposes, for their ministry purposes. Lie to get that money. Say the craziest things to get that money. And it's always for someone else, not for themselves. But but it, I, I've seen it. It's unbelievable what you see in ministry. And finally, not only did he lie, but he hid his sin. He went and hid the the, 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 the money and the clothes. He hid it. Just like Achan remember in the book of Joshua, Achan he hid it. And then he stood before Elisha like nothing has happened. He went back to ministry as usual, the hypocrite. Stood before him like nothing has happened. But Elisha knew because God knew. God knows and sees everything we do. And that's when Elisha pronounces greedy Gehazi's judgment, leprosy. The very thing that Naaman was cured of, You've traded, but you took his treasure. Now you can take his leprosy, and 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 he he gets he ends up trading the his trading places, trading curses, trading diseases. Naaman goes free, and Gehazi is stuck with leprosy. Leprosy. There are a lot of greedy Gehazis today. This is not just, this is lesson for today, USA Today. A lot in the church in the USA today. The USA, the church is riddled, riddled with greedy Gehazis. Second Peter talks about this very thing. In Second Peter 2, in Second Peter 2, talking about this very thing, 2 verse 1, talking about false teachers. Now get this. But there were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Just like there were false prophets, greedy Gazi, there will be false teachers here in the New Testament. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, that's what's driving this, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. These false teachers, look what the characteristics, the secretive, denying their masters, greedy, which is the base of it all, ungodly, sensual, denying the truth. We we see this same greed-driven, false teaching so many places. Just TV alone, you turn on the TV and the, the most, not all, but the vast majority of these TV preachers, these TV evangelists, the ones who get the airtime, the vast majority are scam artists. They're greedy. Send us your money. Send us your money and you will get a blessing. Send us this, your Hundred dollars and you will get a thousand back again. Buy my healing hankies. You know, here's holy water from the Jordan, which you can get your healing from. Just send a hundred dollars or more. And, and it's 
crazy. These guys who fly their jets and wear their jewelry and have their huge smiles on their faces, but they pervert the gospel. They preach a gospel of health, wealth, I call it. If you become a Christian, you will be healthy and you will be wealthy. And if you don't have those things, you just don't have enough faith or there's sin in your life somewhere. And they, and they, it's a, it's a, it, they, it's a perverted gospel, and the sad thing is they inoculate people to the true gospel. Because when people find out it doesn't work, when they don't get healthy and wealthy, they don't get these special blessings that they think all Christians are going to just be blessed. They should just be blessed, blessed, blessed. That's all they should be. There's no room for suffering, which God teaches over and over that is one of his main spiritual growth tools of suffering. There's no room for suffering. There's no room for anything. It's just health and wealth. It's just blessing upon blessing. You can have a great life, your best life. All just Everything should be wonderful for you. And if it's not, you don't have enough faith. You just got to claim it. You just got to speak it. God is a genie in a bottle. He's got to do what you want him to do. It, it, it's sh- shocking what this, this whole word of faith movement has given birth to. It's, 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 it's horrible. And I've seen so many people drop their faith. They didn't have real faith. They had a fake faith. But this is what they were taught. And they dropped their faith because it didn't work. Someone I know got sick and died. My, my wife died of cancer. It didn't work for me. Can't be true. The gospel must not be true. The gospel's true. This fake gospel is not true. True. And they bring the gospel into disrepute. <clears throat> Most people in the United States who don't go to a, a solid Bible church, they only see what is not, they think of Christianity is only what they see on TV. And what they see is the majority of these guys are these health, wealth, frauds. And that's what they see. And they think that's what Christianity is. And when I talk to these people who don't go to church, they say, well, I don't believe all that stuff. You know, I see these guys on you know, TV and I know what you guys believe. Like, this is not what we believe. <laughs> these are false guys. But that's what the majority of people, unchurched people think of is they think that's what Christianity really is. It's a false gospel. Oh, it's, it makes me sick. I'll never forget. I was invited by a friend back when I was in Connecticut years ago. I was invited by a friend to a pastor's prayer group. And, and, uh, he was a pastor and I was a pastor. He said, well, come this one. And, and I go to this sometimes. So I get there and it was a bunch of these health wealth guys. And, 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 and they weren't praying. There was no prayer going on. They had this ringleader, this older pastor who had, they all had on suits and pinky rings and, and drove fa- all these car- fancy cars there. And they were all, slimy guys and the guy the whole time he's talking to them he's like telling these younger guys how to get money out of your congregation and he basically was telling them how to manipulate the people to get bigger salaries and people need to see you driving these cars because they need to see that christianity works it works you're going to be blessed and he it was it was a perversion and as he's talking and telling them how to fleece the people i was and he goes he was telling them put only you know you know you you should get paid a lot of money and he's telling them how to get more money which is horrible or you should have them they should be sending people to clean your house and shovel your driveway and he's on and on and on you shouldn't have to lift a finger cuz you're a pastor you're a man of god it was it was horrible horrible and and I was getting sick. I literally was getting sick. I just felt like this grieving of the spirit. It's all I can describe it. I was I thought I was going to throw up, and I was just bent over in pain. And finally, God, are you okay, son? What are you? What's going on with you? And I and I said, I'm going to tell you something. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. You are preaching a false gospel. You are teaching these young men to 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 fleece their sheep. And and this in God is gonna if you guys don't repent if you don't repent God is gonna judge you I'm telling you He's gonna judge woo you thought they oh boy they did not like that oh they 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 ripped me to shreds they mocked me they said you don't know anything about the Bible you're one of these you're one of these you know know nothings you know and oh boy do they hammer me hammer me well you know we we totally reject what you say you know and they just they kicked me out. And my friend left with me and he's like, thanks for getting me kicked out. I go, you shouldn't be with these guys. They're fake. I goes, yeah, I was getting, I didn't think they were for you. I go, they're not. Never go back there again. This, my friend calls me a week later. Calls me a week later. He says, you'll never believe what happened. You know that guy you warned and that group you warned? The ringleader, he had a heart attack. A week later, had a heart attack. I'm like, Wow. He goes, as soon as he got back to church, recovered and got back to church, you'll never believe what happened then, he told me. He goes, 
He comes back to church and he got in front of the whole church and he repented. He said, I have been in sin. I have been in sin. And he repented of, of what he was doing. Unbelievable. Thank God he did. Thank God, thank God that God spared him. Thank God he repented. But there's a lot of people that haven't repented. There's a lot of greedy Gehazis out there all over the place spewing the same toxic lies, right? We see this so often, the, the whole idea, the false teaching that you can buy salvation or earn salvation. We see it in the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. Not all Roman Catholics believe this and not all Roman Catholic priests believe this. I know some very godly ones that, 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 that believe you're saved by faith and they preach that you're saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. But, but the official teaching and the predominant teaching is that work salvation. You have to work your way and earn your way into heaven. And it's a false teaching. And one of the worst aspects of this false teaching, this works teaching, is indulgences. That you can actually buy your way out of purgatory. You can, you, you can pay your way out of purgatory. First of all, purgatory is not even in the Bible, but if there was there, if there's any kind of purgatory, which we all know it's really hell and it's permanent, I mean, there's no buying your way out. It's a, a scam. But once again, there are godly Roman Catholics that don't buy this lie. And there's priests that are really sound. They preach you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But sadly, the official teaching is that this lie that comes from the top, top there. It's a lie. But I'm not just going to pick on our Roman Catholic friends. I'm going to pick on evangelicals even more today. Evangelicals have our share of greedy Gazis too. Uh, George Barna done the study after study, and he says that the evangelical pastors, the vast majority, their measure of success is numbers and offerings. <laughs> how many people show up and how much offering? That's how they measure their success. I've been in these churches. I've been there. The next, the staff meeting Tuesday morning, we sit down and the thing we focused on in these big successful churches was how many people came Sunday and how much money did we get? Not how many were discipled, not how many got saved, not how many, it was how many were sitting there and how much money did we get. And if that was good, we all felt pretty good about ourselves uh, for a short time. Then I started getting disillusioned with that. But anywho, uh, that's, they, and so the result of these churches is they don't want to offend anybody. Because if you offend somebody, they won't come to church, they won't give money. And, and, and so they become very careful at what they preach. And it's really a functional, false teaching. They won't say anything that will offend anybody. So as a result, you, there's a lot in the Bible that offends. Jesus offended, do you remember the giant multitudes following? He whittled them down to like 12 apostles and a couple other people. He offended lots of people. We're called to preach the word in fullness. And, and the Holy Spirit will offend people. God's word will offend people, but hopefully it will offend them and bring them to their knees and to repentance and they'll develop a biblical worldview. But so many pastors today don't want to shrink their churches, even though what needs to be happen, if we're going to see a revival, there better be a shrinking to a true church. And that's when God can send a revival. He's not going to send a revival to a false church, an apostate church. He can't. It's loaded with apostasy. And so <clears throat> these, these church, so many, uh, even my friends, they will not say anything that will offend and it's functional false teaching. They're not saying false teaching. They're just not preaching the whole word, which is functional false preaching. And it's because of greed. They want bigger numbers and more money. I had a friend. He's a pastor. He uh, took some time off. Went down south with the Bible Belt, going to a big, big church. You know, uh, I'm sure their Sunday schools are bigger than most churches up the, our way. And and a big church. And and his his wife started an affair, left him, having an affair. He went to the pastor and said, "Can you please help me? Can you do church discipline? Can you call us in and and confront her and 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 deal with our marriage and whatever I need to change, I'll change and whatever she needs to change. Can you help save our marriage? But it's going to take you intervening here as the pastor because she's still going to church. Everything was fine. Her parents parents were going to church. She was going to church. Everybody's fine with it. And you know, I believe what he said. He said, "Well, you are right. She's she's in sin, and I really wish I could help you, but." Her parents are really big tithers and they've told me to stay away from this because they just want their daughter to be happy, you know, in sin. Oh. All right. I, I you know, just want her to be happy. Uh, like sin's going to make her, 
happy, right? And so, so, so he goes, I'm not, I can't do anything to help you. Woo! False teacher. And this is going on all over the country. This is what's happening. I know. And let's not forget the celebrity uh, evangelicals. The, these, these guys are going around profiting by speaking at these big groups and making all this money. And it's okay if they're godly and Bible-based, but so many of them now are being exposed as false teachers. They're start, they're taking these stands. I'm talking about these men and women who, who we used to buy their books and buy their CDs and follow their studies. And now all of a sudden it turns out, well, I think homosexuality is okay. I think abortion's okay. I'm like, <laughs> they've always been false. It's just that now they're being exposed by, by, by these lightning rods in our culture. They're, God is using, a lot of people are like, what? what's going on with homosexuality and gay marriage and is it okay? And, and why are so many Christians caving on it? Why are so many pastors caving on it? Why are so many celebrity speakers caving on this issue? It's because God is using this issue to separate the weeds from the wheat. That's what he's doing. He's using this issue. And we've caved on a lot of things. We've caved on lots of things. We've caved on adultery. We've caved on divorce. We've caved on premarital sex. And now we have get to the end of the rope. You know, Romans, you get to the end of the rope with homosexuality. And now all of a sudden, they're even caving on that. And it's because the church has caved on all these other issues over time. And now we're faced with another one. We should have stood our ground way back. With, with, with adultery. We should have stood our ground way back with pornography, with divorce. God, I hate divorce. God hates divorce. And yet we've just allowed it carte blanche in the church today. Carte blanche. There's no church discipline. And I know there's wrong people. They get wrong. They have no chance. But we should be church disciplining the, the one who's committing the wrong in the marriage. But we just let it go. I'm emotionally abused. I, I just don't feel in love anymore. You know, boom, done. Done. Free pass. Free pass. Go to start. Yeah? And it's crazy what the church has done. Because of greed. First of all, we've been conformed to the world. But because of greed. And I know some people are wrong with divorce. Don't get me wrong. I, I know there are innocent parties. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we have not stuck to the biblical teaching on divorce and and, and, and and use church discipline with that and and now the result is we got we have church members and pastors and s church speakers celebrities that are saying homosexuality is okay well it's the it's Romans one follow the, the follow the trail follow the breadcrumbs it's not surprising but God is using this to separate wheat wheat from the weeds that's what he's doing and sadly, now in the church it's gotten so bad, we have many pastors, many woke pastors, who are showing their true colors, completely caving into the culture. It's shocking. They're choosing social justice over biblical justice. Social justice that says it's okay to kill a baby, throw him under the bus. Any kind of justice that doesn't include protecting the lives of unborn babies is no justice. That is counter fit justice. The social justice that supports sexual sin, that, that, that encourages racism. It's intertwined with abortion, sexual sin, racism, and hate. It's, it's a counterfeit. Romans 5, 24 says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Biblical justice, not counterfeit justice, social justice, counterfeit justice, Biblical justice is way more extreme than, than social justice. Biblical justice is connected to righteousness. Righteousness. And it, and it does all the right things. It's connected to righteousness. It's not counterfeit. But so many of these woke pastors have caved into it. It's unbelievable. It's shocking the things that they're going along with because they don't understand biblical justice, which is way more extreme than anything social justice has ever cooked up. Social justice is a counterfeit. Biblical justice, but let justice roll along like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. True justice Biblical justice, God's justice, is, it does not leave righteousness behind. It's completely interconnected. It way, goes way beyond social justice. God's justice goes way beyond that. Way beyond that. But it's not just ministry people that can fall into the greedy Gehazi trap. It's all of us. We can all 
fall into the same trap. And we do. We all fall into, we can fall into that same trap. In fact, in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, it says this. Now listen. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Woo! Just that alone would make a great sermon, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we were brought into the world for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich, greedy Gehazis, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Many griefs. Wow, what a passage. Memorize that one. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. It's the love of money. God, could, If you don't love money, God could give you all the gazillions of dollars and you can use it for good because it's not, it's not a problem for you. But if you love even your penny, if you have just a penny and you love that, that is a root of all kinds of evil. Riches is a temptation. It's a trap. It's a trap. That's what Paul is warning us here in First Timothy. It's a trap. <clears throat> uh, Bob Cunningham has had to do a lot of trapping recently because he has this amazing garden. But the groundhogs, the woodchucks, keep trying to get in and getting in and destroying his garden. And he's been telling me all the different ways he's been trying to trap them. And he usually tries to use a, a live trap and, and, and sometimes he'll take them and let them go somewhere else, near somebody else's garden. Uh, but, but, uh, but they, he finds that they kind of make their way back. So he's, he's been, but he's, he's trying to use these different traps. So he uses his live trap and they, they, he tries to lure them into the live trap. This one woodchuck was too smart, wouldn't go for it. He loaded it up with all this food, wouldn't go for it. So he finally had to go out and buy a conibear. The conibear is the, the square one that you open up and you put it in a, like a place where you think the woodchuck will go. And then it shuts, shuts and breaks their neck and kills them. <clears throat> Anyhow, uh, but, but he, so he, he finally was trying to get him, but he couldn't get him. He finally used all these vegetables from his garden. He piled all these food things and and he finally got enough there to lure it in and this woodchuck wanted all that food piled up there all these things from his garden these delicacies from his garden and he finally came out and it was dead smashed and that's what riches are they are a trap and and the satan and the world will just pile them up there just keep piling them up till finally we do the greedy gazi we reach for it we pursue it and bam and for those, it's a trap for those who are already rich. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. If you're already rich, look at all the politicians. They already got millions of dollars and they still get caught taking bribes. It's a trap. They can never have enough. These guys who play the stock market are, and they're worth billions of dollars and they still get caught with doing some illegal trade. And, and because it's, it's a trap. It's never enough. Whatever you have is never enough. But even the poor, even the poor have the same exact temptation. It's, they want more. It's never enough. I, I, you ever been in the, been into some really poor sections of maybe an inner city? And the day that they get their welfare checks, the lotto lines are wrapped around the store getting, playing lotto with their welfare checks. It's never, it's never enough. Whether we're rich or poor, people are always reaching. Rich or poor fall into the same trap, the same lie, playing the lotto, playing the, 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 the stock market, playing the lotto, the same thing. And this is a real, and the real danger for us as Christians is this. Look what Paul says there. He says, wander from the faith. Some have wandered from the faith. They've backslidden. They've backslidden. I could tell you 35 years of ministry, sad story after sad story of people that have chased greed. People had lots of money but still chased it. Didn't pay their taxes, got into bad business deals, made partnerships with, with unbelievers, trying to make a buck, make more money, and, 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 and how it has destroyed their life. They've slid away. They've disappeared from church. They've slid away. I don't know where they are now. And, and it's, it's, it's so sad. It sneaks up on us. It's so insidious. It sneaks up on us. Jesus was warning about end times in Luke chapter 21, warning about end times and listen to what he says how it can sneak up on us he's talking about the second coming and being ready for his second coming in, second, in uh, Luke 21 verse 20, 34 it says this 
Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. There it is, the trap again. Unexpectedly like a trap. And the, and the one I want to focus on is the anxieties of life. It, it literally means in the Greek preoccupation with daily life. Just getting too preoccupied with that job, with the money, with the things, with the things that we have, with the car, with the boat, with whatever, with you know, taking care of all the stuff that we, we have. We get preoccupied. And when that, if that happens, we won't be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. We won't be watching. We won't be ready. It's going to slam on us like a trap. We're going to be, it's going to be unexpected. We won't be faithfully doing what God has called us to do. We are all potential Gehazis. We're all greedy Gehazis, potentially. We have it in us. How is God convicting us? How is he speaking to us? What dangerous character flaws is the Holy Spirit bringing to mind right now? Just like with Gehazi, he had all these dangerous character flaws. What character flaws are, are, have we seen in our life? that the Holy Spirit has been nudging us about, that he's been convicting us about, will we deal with them before they erupt into full-blown leprosy, just like Greedy Gehazi? Maybe our warning today for you today is false teaching. Maybe you have to be very careful what you listen to. Be on guard. Be careful what teaching you follow. I'm constantly warning people in our church, don't listen to that guy. Don't buy his book. Don't. These guys are false teachers. False teachers. Stay with the solid people. The solid people. The, the, the strong ones. Dr. David Jeremiah and people like that. You know, the, the solid biblical teachers. They're on TV, but they're solid. They teach biblically. They don't bring in false teaching. Those kind of teachers. I'm constantly warning people. If, if you're listening to, to someone or following someone, run it by a solid Christian. Run it by me. I'll give, you, I'll give you a biblical critique on them. There's a lot of good ones. Make sure you're following the good ones. And so many of these younger guys coming up, the woke pastors, the celebrities, they, they sound so good, but... Oh, it's it's sad what they're what they're what they're really teaching. No wonder that no wonder so many don't know the true gospel or, or aren't growing spiritually. They aren't getting the word. They're 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 getting a they're getting false teaching from these guys. I'm not going to name names, but most of you know who I'm talking about. Maybe maybe you're listening to this today, watching this today, and you aren't a Christian yet. Maybe you're still a leper. Maybe you still have leprosy, just like Naaman started out with it, but you can lose that leprosy. You can be cured at leprosy, just like Naaman, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step, being cured from the leprosy itself, being cured of sin itself. And there's only one way to do that, and that's through Jesus Christ. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life life. That's the gospel. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead to prove he took our sins away, prove that he can give us a brand new life. Well, we must put our faith in him for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. As we go this closing prayer time, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe you realize that you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've tried to earn your salvation or work your way in or buy your way in in some way. Maybe you've just been trying to be good enough to get right with God. But there's only one way. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this not for yourselves, it is a gift from God. God. You can have that gift right now. For whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in God's gift, his grace. The gift of his son Jesus who died in our place. Who came to, back from the dead to give us a brand new life. If you will put your faith in him, your old self can die. You can have a new life in Jesus Christ. But it starts with a prayer of faith. 
God, I repent of my sin. I walk away from that old life. I don't want the garbage anymore. I want Jesus. I want a new life in Jesus. I put my faith in him. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in him. I'm giving my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer, something amazing has happened in your life. You have just been cleansed of leprosy. You have just been cleansed of sin. You have just been set free from death. You have just been given a brand new life that starts right now. It doesn't start when you go to heaven. It starts right now. A brand new life in Jesus Christ with purpose and peace and joy and spiritual battles to fight. I'm not going to lie to you. There's spiritual battles. You've got to fight, fight for your sanctification now. By faith. By faith. But it's a brand new life in Jesus if you have prayed that prayer of faith, if you've given your, faith, given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you have a, a friend or family member that, that are Christians or a, a Christian friend that you can tell. Or if you have no one to tell, then email me, nhcc, nhcc at comcast.net. Email me. I'll be excited for you. I'll encourage you. I'll help you get connected and grow. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us where do we see greedy Gehazi in us where do we see character flaws in us what false teaching have we been listening to that we need to repent of and, and to make a break and, and to shift our focus to godly biblical teaching Father, I pray that each one of us, you would convict us and that we would respond to that conviction. That we would focus on faith and grace and not the things of this world. Not the temporary things. Not the things that are going to pull us down or distract us. That Satan will use to distract us. We will focus on your kingdom first trusting you to add all these things unto our lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that wraps up the story of Naaman the leper. We've spent several weeks in this. But now we move on to more in the life of Elisha and his ministry. We've got some, still, some more exciting things ahead. Okay, see you next time.